0: What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, the Stanley Cup Playoff Preview, Part 2. We're finally set and ready to go this weekend, and I've got a few more bets to add for the eight first-round series and a pair of Stanley Cup futures. I'm joined by Alex Moreto from The Score to get his take on each of the divisions, including the big showdowns in the East and North. Then it's Cool Canada's Chris Abbott to give us some insight from behind a sportsbook's odd screen, what teams are they worried about winning the cup, as well as a couple of novelty playoff props. Finally, I'll dig into the Consmite trophy markets, why there's just a small selection of guys that represent true value for the playoff MVP. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host Matt Russell. It's part two of the Stanley Cup Playoff Preview and we finally have all official eight matchups here as the Kings and the Avs go last night and the Avs win the game but it wasn't without a little nervousness from those of us out here in the content space. Uh, as we had based a lot of our stuff, uh, you know, hopefully you caught or you're going to catch the Action Network Stanley Cup playoff preview that I did with Michael Lieboff and Renee Paquette. Um, swing by there, check that out. But we do, you know, series previews towards the end, Michael and I. And, you know, we tape it as though the Avs are going to be in first place and the matchup is Avs Blues and Wild and Knights. And it's like that goes to air you know, that gets published, and you go, okay, well, if we have to, we'll come back, and we'll change it for the matchups, should things go awry, and of course, all we need, right, is Colorado, you know, who is a minus 400, minus 500 favorite against the Kings last night, all we need them to do is win, and scoreless through most of the first period, we get to the end of the first period, and the Kings get a breakaway goal off of a play that probably should have been a penalty on them, and they're up one to nothing, and, so I'm just sort of going, okay, I'm just going to watch like arms folded here and watch the Kings somehow win this game one to nothing, even though they're getting absolutely dominated from a possession, shots, metrics, like all of the above type of a situation. So, you know, and I hopefully, you know, this isn't a portend of things to come. But I grabbed my phone with about 11 minutes to go, about 10 and a half minutes to go. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to bet on the ABS here. They're down one to nothing, but they're swarming the Kings. I'm going to bet on them live here. I look at the number. It's minus 155. You guys know me. I'm a stickler for a price. And I'm like, okay, if this gets to minus 150 here or at the 10 minute mark, you know, I think it'll probably get to minus 150. That's when I'm going to pull the trigger on a live bet for Colorado. And of course, Colorado, as I'm picking up my phone, <laughs> The market is closed and I look up and Colorado scores a goal, which of course is indicative of how quickly the markets close when you're live betting, you know, you're not going to beat the broadcast, if you will. And so Uh, I look up, Colorado scores to tie it, and immediately goes from minus 150 back up to minus 380. The Avs score two minutes later again. They score another one three minutes later again. And the good news is we don't have to change anything. We don't have to go back and, you know, mea culpa and all of that sort of thing, right? So the good news is there. But, you know, again, missed out on an opportunity for what ended up being a relatively easy unit with a potential live bet there. But that sets up the wild and the golden knights and it sets up of course the avalanche and the blues which we talked about yesterday but now we're starting to see lines pop here a little bit and the minnesota wild are plus 195 over at pinnacle so as we wait for some of the other sports books that maybe you use to post a line that line right there at plus 195 is a buy for me with the minnesota wild talked about it at length yesterday so you can go back and listen if you'd like Um, but just fundamentally, I think this game is a lot or the series, I should say, is a lot closer than people think. And I think the, uh, sports bettors are going to come in and the sharp bettors are going to come in and they're going to drag that price down a little bit. So, you know, it's sitting at plus 195, you know, greed sort of takes over and you go, can we get plus 200? I think there's a better chance it dips because I don't know that big money is necessarily going to come in on the Golden Knights and move that up to plus 200. If it does, I'll probably bet it again to be completely honest with you. And so the same thing goes for game one. There's just too much value in the wild to pass up there. Again, there's no such thing as a guarantee, especially from a underdog that is currently priced at plus 195. Uh, But I think that's going to be a really good bet uh, to make. And then, of course, the other one, Colorado talked about it yesterday. There's just not a price that exists that I don't think is um that that doesn't have value on the colorado avalanche like my numbers uh are just in love with colorado they make colorado minus 318 in a game on a neutral uh, you know neutral ice if you will and the series price is opened at minus 316 so again series prices should be higher than game prices because of course cream rises to the top that sort of thing and so again like my price is so much higher than minus 300 or minus 318 for a series price now you have to ask yourself okay what do i want to do with this right so we know that there's value on the colorado avalanche but how do we want to play it do we want to lay that minus 320 if you will uh, uh you know uh, against a Blues team that people are going to give the Blues a ton of credit. And so uh, for me, i rather just lay the minus one and a half in a series price. That's more palatable right now around minus 170, minus 180. I think Colorado takes care of the Blues. Could the Blues get a game? Of course, maybe they even get two. But I don't think we're getting to game seven. You know, again, if we're betting on a favorite and the series gets to seven games, we've already made a bad bet right? Like we're not intending for this series to go through seven games. We're not intending for the Blues to win three games in this series. Otherwise, we would have just bet the Blues, right? Because if this goes to seven games, no matter what, right? Like the value is going to be on the Blues. I just don't think that ends up being the case there. So nice to have all eight series now ready to go, sort of. Um, One bet that I've made here that is going to surprise you. I bet on the Jets today. And it's only because I found a rogue plus 210 market is more widely spread around plus 170. So that's quite the outlier uh, of a price here for a series that, by the way, again, these North series don't even start till middle to late next week. The Oilers even play a game tomorrow, which as an aside, why would you ever play Connor McDavid in that game in the minuscule chance that he might get hurt? Um, You might want to even just play the Canucks right now. At a pretty high price, I think 165 is sort of the expectation, and what's available out there for those that pop early numbers on regular season games a day in advance. Because I could see again, Drysaddle, McDavid, all these guys sitting. There is no reason at this point, no um, you know milestones that we're looking for uh, in in the Oilers case. So again, why? While the playoffs essentially are going on here, we've already got, you know, we've got Jets and Oilers prices, right? We've got all of these numbers, the McDavid props, all of these sorts of things for the series, and yet they still have to play another game. Like, it's a completely unprecedented situation, so I wouldn't be surprised One, if they announce that he's not playing, and now you've got a ton of value on the Canucks. And then two, if he is playing, we saw it earlier this week against Montreal, playing a considerably lower workload, right? Way less minutes as they roll four lines across the board for the Oilers. So a bit of a, you know, diatribe there. Uh, Habs and the Leafs, we're watching this number creep up a little bit, you know, by the day here. And again, with this series not starting until I believe next Thursday, we're going to see that move even more um as we get closer i think so again this might get to a point if we hit like a plus 300 where i might just say you know what we're betting the habs and again does that mean hab series maybe probably a little bit of sprinkle Really, more means okay, a plus one and a half, because again, we can get this thing to a game seven, so that in that situation, maybe we're looking at a plus one and a half with a little sprinkle on the series price. But again, we can deal with that next week. We can put that on the back burner because we have these other three uh, divisions, all of these series, all six of them, um, getting started before that. So we look at the Central Hill real, real quickly. Um, Florida up, the best price available there, plus 140. Tampa had a price of minus 120 over at Coolbet. Earlier this week, but that has been moved up. And I think that's just a simple case of people seeing that good price, grabbing it, and then them having to make that adjustment. I think it's really more appropriate. Uh, And I think we'll probably see the Florida price come down a little bit. That's over at bet 365 for the same reason, right? If it's the best price available on the market, people just kind of blindly take that. And in theory, with a price at plus 140 and one at minus 135, there's actually a free money situation happening there where you could bet both and end up profiting, you know, whatever, like. A percent of your bet but still that's something um, Carolina this thing has moved based off of you know I think just the numbers right That my we talked about the minus 240 being a fair price it seemed like every book has opened around that price and has taken money on Carolina again I'll be looking in this case for a minus one and a half a smaller number at minus 138 right now uh, is available for minus one and a half that's over at Pinnacle as well, but again, we'll see more sports books populating these uh, derivative markets as we go along here. And then the East, uh, the number with Boston just keeps getting more and more out of control. I don't hate it. Again, you know, talked about it yesterday. The Taylor Hall version of the Boston Bruins, uh, you know, against the Washington Capitals of the last twenty-five games or so, basically since the trade deadline. The Bruins are about a 66% favorite. It should be a minus 200 type situation here on a game-to-game basis. Now, of course, that's never going to be the case. And that's why this number keeps creeping up because at minus 135, at minus 145, at minus 155, people still see that as value because they wait their numbers towards the back end of the season which of course makes a ton of sense because there's a pretty clear line of demarcation when it comes to the Boston Bruins playing better hockey and that's after the trade deadline that of course we talk about Taylor Hall but of course there's a couple of other guys there as well that they have added and so you know the other thing is here relative to previous years I'm finding that there just isn't that level of value in a lot of these and you know we bet the Islanders will bet the wild series prices as underdogs oftentimes in the very real recent uh, time, you know, in the last couple of years, literally last year, even, you know, there were spots where like, okay, there was a pretty significant underdog that showed a ton of value. I can think of Columbus last year, even the Blackhawks eventually got to that point, and both of them ended up cashing. But even ones that don't cash, right? It's not necessarily always about ones that cash. But I think the difference is, especially from last year, is that you had all of this uncertainty, Right, and when we talk about underdogs, whether it's a game, a series, whatever, I want to talk about the difference between certainty and variance. Right, and so when we're backing underdogs or we're looking for value in general, right, we want high variance situations, we want a lack of certainty, we want people to be not really sure what to expect, and that's when we take value. Uh, that's when we can create value. Now, the problem with this season, with all these teams in these first two rounds, having played each other over and over and over and over again, there's more certainty than there ever has been when it comes to sports. Because there's more information, right? And so that's why I think a lot of a lot of these numbers are just really, really sharp. And, you know, again, I think the wild one is off and I think the, the Islanders one is off, but it might turn out that both numbers, especially after they get bet into for a little bit, don't end up being you know that far off from what our expectation is. Now again, I think the Islanders could in theory be favored. I understand why they're not from a public perception standpoint, and it's not that I even think that Minnesota should be favored. I just think this thing is a lot closer to a coin flip at sort of a 50, you know, 2% chance of Vegas winning this series. You know, so we're not getting a ton of value here. And again, it's just a lack of potential variance. Now, where the variance is going to come in here, right? Think about it like this. If we know so much about these matchups in the first two rounds because these teams have played each other so much, we are not going to know much at all once we get to the semifinals about these teams, right? Because again, we haven't had interdivision play here, right? Carolina could face, you know, Toronto, for example, right? who's going to be favored in that series, right? The metrics would say Carolina should be favored. Maybe not by that much, but you know what? I bet you we see a lot of money on Toronto just because that's kind of what we always see when it comes to the Maple Leafs, right? And so we don't know, right? The variance is there. We don't know. Maybe the Central is like five times better than the North. Maybe the North is actually better. Maybe the North is the best division in the league now i certainly don't think that but like we don't really know anything that can be sort of definitive in the same way that if you watch a team play nine times against each other you can get a pretty good grasp from a metric standpoint where they've played you know five hundred and what forty minutes against each other you're gonna know okay well this one team is much better at even strength than this other team when these two teams match up but we're just not going to get that when you know tampa plays boston Carolina plays Toronto. I mean, obviously both those things can't happen, but you see my point, right? It's going to lead to some high variance stuff. So our usual strategy of, you know, underdogs early favorites late, it kind of gets turned on its head, right? Because it kind of feels like maybe underdogs late because of the lack of, uh, of, of sort of certainty and the uh, and the abundance of variance. so um, I want to get into Stanley Cup futures here before we get to our guests real quickly not necessarily a ton to talk about here uh, but the first one is and it's couldn't be less sort of sexy or appealing necessarily but I think there's still value on the Colorado Avalanche plus 500 available pretty widely if not plus 450 certainly a possibility there as well and here's why One, we've already talked about how my numbers make Colorado a just gigantic favorite against the St. Louis Blues. And when I say my numbers, that's the only ones that I can speak to, but I've seen sort of tangentially, like... People online being like, you know, in the analytics community being like, yeah, my numbers are outrageous in favor of the Colorado Avalanche. So I think we're all kind of in agreement there. And you've got them, of course, favored in this series, minus 320, even in the marketplace, which again, I still think is low. And so again, if I think it's, you know, my price is better than your price market, um, you know. I think that there is some value there, right? Like that's pretty standard stuff on the flip side, right? They are right there with the Vegas golden Knights, you know, in the, uh, Stanley Cup market and so the Vegas Golden Knights are right behind them and that would sort of indicate that in theory when these two if these two match up that it's going to be kind of a coin flip type series right you're just sort of thinking oh they were pretty close in the standings blah 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 you know this this could go either way and so when you start multiplying win probabilities together then there's going to be kind of pretty close to a 50% win probability if you're doing it just based on your eye test or whatever well, my numbers say that they're going to be a significant favorite over the Vegas Golden Knights. And so, again, that's value. So I'm going to be on, if this matchup even happens, I'm going to be on Colorado. Like, I already know that going in. Minus 140, minus 150, minus 160s, anything along those lines will be good enough for me, right? Because I think the numbers should be higher. By the way, there's also the possibility that Minnesota wins this series, which, again, improves Colorado's chances. And so as these things sort of happen here, you start multiplying together. Okay, now they're the first seed and they're going to get the worst team to make the semifinals, right? And it's hockey and we always talk about underdogs with hockey and, and the Stanley Cup playoffs and it's so fun or whatever. But the Cinderella team this year is going to look up and see the Colorado Avalanche and be like, oh, we have to play them. Like they're going to play the toughest team and it's not, they're not going to get a break. Maybe there's some other Cinderella team or a sort of mediocre team, second tier type of team in the Eastern Conference Final. There's no Eastern Conference Final this year, right? And so you're getting Colorado here, um, the best team if you're that team. So which means Colorado is going to be heavily favored again. So if they're minus 300 plus against the St. Louis Blues, they're going to be minus 300 something against, you know, whatever sort of fourth seed ends up coming out into the semifinals. And now you're getting yourself into the Stanley Cup final. Well, who are they not going to be favored against, right? Carolina, Still gonna be favored against them, Toronto. As much as people want to bet Toronto, they you still have to favor the Colorado Avalanche against them. So there's a better than 50% win probability there. And so when you start calculating it all up, you're kind of going, okay, you know, 0. 0.75 times 0. 0.6 times 0. 0.75 times 0. 0.6, and it all kind of adds up to right around pretty good value on a market that doesn't offer too much in the way of value, right? The hold, the sportsbooks hold in this market is often 20%, 25%, something along those lines, which means if you bet every single team, right, you're you're giving up 25% of your money just to do so. And so in this case, you're actually getting a fair price here on the favorite. And you're asking, okay, like, why would I be getting, how am I getting a, a fair price on the favorite? It's pretty simple, right? All of these other teams people think are good, right? Toronto's going to be bet up pretty high. Vegas is going to be bet up pretty high. Carolina, you know, the folks in the analytics community, right? We all love Carolina, right? When there's all these other options, it sort of brings the favorite back into that cluster because there's other options available here. And we're going to ask Chris Abbott coming up here in a little bit, you know, what their liability is when it comes to... um, you know, the odds here for the Stanley Cup market? And is it Colorado? Because last year it was Colorado. People were clamoring for the avalanche and maybe because they didn't win the Stanley Cup, they didn't even make the Stanley Cup final. People are sort of backing away from that now. Um, We'll have to see, I would expect them to be, you know, to have some liability on the Colorado avalanche but people get kind of caught up in underdog right like it's the uh it's the nhl like there, there's cinderella stories all the time right the st louis blues a couple of years ago well the st louis blues once the playoffs rolled around they weren't that far back in the odds right we always sort of talk about them being like 100 to 1 back in january but they had done enough at the end of the season to get themselves sort of under 20 to 1 right and that's more of an outlier than anything else like we expected a little bit more craziness last year but tampa bay won the stanley cup relatively easily so um, I, I like Colorado I think there's value on Colorado the other team that I would bet on is uh, the Boston Bruins at this point because again and we can sort of see it right again c- comes down to the math and the serious price gets opened against Washington and you see it get bet up bet up bet up bet up which shows you that the sort of sharper money right realizes the value of Boston in this last you know 20 some odd games here right since the Uh, Trade deadline. And so, you know, that's showing up, I think, in that series market, but I don't think it has gotten to the futures market just yet. And so, why wouldn't Boston be in this cluster with Vegas, Carolina, Toronto at, you know, plus 600, plus 700, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so, we talk about, you know, maybe the price should be minus 200 and it's, you know, For the season-long, it's more of a pick 'em, and the price ended up somewhere in between, right? But if the truth really is that minus 200 valuation on the Boston Bruins, then there is some value on them for the futures. So um, that's my take on this. We're going to talk Conn Smythe Trophy markets at the very end here, along with some game plays for this weekend. But it's time to see what other people have to say about the Stanley Cup playoffs. As they say in hockey... Let's do that hockey. All right, let's get to our first guest here. He's the supervising editor, sports betting at The Score, always generous with his time. Alex Moretto. welcome back to the window, my friend.
1: It's nice to be back, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so first things first, uh, what's the level of degeneracy that it would take to bet this Jets-Leafs game tonight? And are you betting it? No and high um
1: <laughs> <laughs> out of out of our range i think yeah right? i mean and i i i don't know if, i don't know if it's out of my range i just don't have any sort of feel for it but i've, I've been on some pretty gross things in my life so i'm not i'm not one to judge you know what you want to bet on it you have fun with it
0: oh fair enough uh you were on the show previewing the season so nice of you to kind of come back around here uh, i'll open up the can of worms how did the season go for you
1: it went well ish so, I mean, started off great and kind of tailed off a little bit in March. March was just a – March was a brutal month for me, honestly. If you could just take out March from my season, I would have had an incredible season. But, obviously, that's not how things work. We, you know, we go on runs. It's uh, the ups and downs. Um, my overtime record was horrible. I think that really kind of led to uh, me finishing not as great as I was. at the end of the day. And my futures – Really made up for, you know, maybe not the best ROI during the season. Um, My future's hit at an insane rate, and I don't think I've had a year like that where pretty much every point total and every to-make-the-playoffs bet and division bet I made came through
0: with, like, time to spare. It was great. Sick. Sick. yeah. (laughs) So do you attribute that, do you think, to the shortened season or just sort of of luck of the Irish, as they say, even though you're not Irish? Um, and more to the overtime question, is that a luck thing, do you think? And do you sort of, you know, hope for better? I mean, obviously you hope for better, but when it comes to five on five overtime for the playoffs, do you have an expectation that, you know, the randomness of the three on three and the shootout is going to work in your favor? Or are you just sort of like, you know what, overtime's overtime, it's either going to be lucky or unlucky, and very rarely is it kind of right down the middle?
1: Yeah, uh, overtime is overtime in the sense where, I mean, but I do think that in the, in the regular season, it is just more of a bit of a toss up. It it really is a toss up. Like it's low luck of the draw, the three on three. And there are some teams that are better in three on three than others, but you're not going to account for that when you're coming up with your numbers or when you're capping, Right. So stuff like that, and especially the shootout, like you're not going to account for those sort of things. It's a bit more luck of the draw. And I'd like to think that over the course of maybe a full season or even like a 500 game sample this will even out i I haven't gone back and looked but maybe i had a better record in overtime last year so this is kind of things just evening out but of course you remember we remember the losses and they'll stick with us and now i'm like i'm the most unlucky better in the world so you know and i'm (laughs) just gonna
0: stick with that so (laughs) right
1: yeah that's what i'm that's what that's what i'm going with
0: yeah because you're like you know a good ish season right but it's like is there ever going to be like great i have no complaints you know nothing Possibly went wrong it, yeah you know exactly. over the course yeah, of mean, four months it was perfect it's like that's get, never gonna happen you could hit it 65 percent 70
1: percent and be like you know what i really deserve those losses that i had over there <laughs> that was a, yeah. that was an
0: unfair run <laughs> yeah well we made it we made it to the playoffs so let's dig in here i want to kind of go division by division if you like a series price a game one or you know something else along the way just kind of sling it out there but yeah, i think we got to kind of start here in the north man is this Habs leaf series your nightmare and are you going to thrive on this underdog role or is it going to tear you to pieces and obviously more importantly potentially are you going to back your love of the Habs here with a little <laughs> cashola what's the deal how you feel i am not i'm not going to bet
1: on the Habs just because i don't need to add to the potential pain involved here. I mean, the stakes are so high being a Habs fan in Toronto, surrounded by Leafs fans. You know, my all oh, my friends are Leafs fans. My techs have already kind of blown up. Um, I'm getting the courtesy. So Habs in four or Leafs in four or Leafs in five. And I'm just like, you know, I don't want to deal with this already. So it's tough. It's been tough. Um, I do think that if Montreal loses in an embarrassing fashion, I will have to take a two or three month vacation maybe you get a new phone number all that sort of stuff but uh I mean just strictly fandom aside I do think the Habs are being undervalued here and if I weren't so emotionally invested I think I would be invested in Montreal at this price because you're getting a team that really is just completely limped into the playoffs the last month and a half two months of the season have been horrible like we everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for this team and I think that What's being overlooked, I mean, the injuries have kind of gotten some play and people have talked about it, and that's a big deal. I mean, this team's record without Gallagher, not just this year, but in past years, is horrible. He's really the heart and soul of this team. And, I mean, you're talking about guys like Weber, and whether Weber had the best season or not is very much up for debate. I don't think he played great, but he's still a, – a, his presence around the team and in the room and in practice, it, it's a big deal for them, yeah. right? These so minutes, if yeah, nothing else. exactly. So you're taking two heart and soul guys out of the lineup, and then, I mean, that COVID break is, is when it really went pear-shaped because they were, obviously, I mean, obviously they fired Julian and things, you know, were kind of going belly up a bit there. But they were, I mean, they weren't terrible. They were, they were salvaging no. things. Things were going okay. Their 5 on 5 numbers were still really good. And then, I mean, it, it all went pear-shaped after that COVID break. They came back, and since then, they haven't had back-to-back nights off yeah, they have they still I mean, until like, I guess tomorrow will be their first sitting <laughs> right. after playing on Wednesday, right? So yeah, just, you're looking at those injuries and then playing four games a week. I mean, like I'm going through things when I'm trying to cap these games and I'm like, oh, yeah, five and seven for the Habs. Oh, six and nine, like makes sense. <laughs> like there, every time you had a game come up. It was like, well, this is a horrible rest spot. And yeah. There were a lot of spots where they're playing teams that are, oh, well, Calgary's been off for five days and Montreal's about to play their third game in four nights. Like, it, it was it was such an impossible situation. And I think that it just led to the market being so unbelievably down on them coming into the playoffs. And I, I there is a gap between them and the Leafs. There's a pretty decent
0: gap, for sure. Yeah. But not as well, big as the line suggests, I don't think. Yeah, and it, and it kind of depends, like, like you sort of said there, right? Like, what version are we going to get? Because I talk about the Leafs. And that they have a type, right? And they lose to the Bruins. They lose to the Blue Jackets. They have that type where that's going to be trouble for them. And Montreal, early on in the season, felt like the type, you know, defensively keeping the high danger chances low, all of that sort of thing, that would be a problem for the Maple Leafs. But then that kind of went away as well with all of that other stuff right as you know you outlined quite eloquently here and so it's sort of just like well what version of the habs are we going to get here are we going to get the type that gives Toronto trouble here or are we not right and it's sort of impossible to predict which side we're going to kind of land on here um, from you know from the habs uh, in the next week or so but listen no team Needs this week off more than the Habs I say the other series in the north and uh, you know I'm a Dave Letterman late show fan from way back right and one of their bits you know Their stupid bits was some some act would come on and they'd say is this anything right Dave would ask uh, Paul Schaefer you know Paul was this anything and the answer would just be like yes or no and that was kind of it Um, So the Oilers and the Jets for you when it comes to betting is this anything
1: Oh, this is a really tough series for me to cap because,
0: I, I can't
1: overlook head-to-head stats this year. Just I don't like to put a ton of weight into those, but this year especially, I think they're a lot more uh, they're a lot more prominent. And Edmonton really had their way with Winnipeg, but I am just I'm not high on Edmonton whatsoever, and I do think that. Winnipeg, again, is another team that's coming in with a little bit of value. They kind of limped into the playoffs, but Ehlers being out was huge, and he's supposed to be back. You know, Lowry was out for a bit. I think it's another team that just kind of hit a wall and and plateaued there, but they're a playoff team, and I don't think that Edmonton's going to dispatch them as easily as, you know, maybe this
0: price is suggesting. Because I'm seeing a plus 175. Yeah, it's Jets. insane in one spot, and I don't like the Jets. Like I like the Jets less than everyone. Right, I right. am the last guy onto the Jets team train. But then I look at it and I see this price, and it's like plus one seventy five, and I'm just like, man, I think I might even have to get involved in, in that. And I'm like, this is not where I thought I would be going into the playoffs here uh, with the Jets. So yeah, I mean, certainly a tough one. Um, as for the Central. And we get it, man. You love the Hurricanes. <laughs> we know. Hurricanes this, Hurricanes that. So we'll skip right by them. Uh, who do you prefer they play in round two? And will you be betting either Tampa Bay and Florida in what feels you know, as coin-flippy of a series as there might be in this first round?
1: Yeah, I, I do prefer they get Florida. And okay. I just think that just because... I think Tampa needs a little bit of time to get their, uh, their healthy guys, you know, back and up to speed. Like guys like Kucherov and Stamkos sure. haven't played in a while. They're going to they're gonna get back up to speed eventually. It's just a matter of will they have the time to or will Florida kind of get the better of them? Because it's going to be a really tough series. And I, I even look, you look at guys like Hedman, like how healthy is Hedman going to be? He needs surgery at the end of the season. I, I don't feel great about that. So the, the kind of health status of these guys is going to keep me off betting the series as a whole as well as the fact that we do not know who Florida is going to roll with for sure in net. It's, is it going to be Bobrovsky or is it going to be Dreger? And the difference between them is not negligible. So I think this yeah. is more of a, a game-to-game type series for me where I'll be betting as opposed to kind of the overall series price. I do think that yeah, if you can get like plus 120 on Florida, it's nice. But I mean, if they decide to trot Bobrovsky out there you know, six yeah. or seven times, I, I want no
0: part of them. <laughs> right <laughs> so let's put a hypothetical on it then game one like are you going to be looking to back florida based on the you know the idea that uh, maybe there's going to be a little bit of value because of the oh kucherov samkos they're back but also like it's their first game back especially kucherov's first game of the season is that something that you're going to be looking to do to back maybe maybe an underdog or sort of even money you know pick em type game here uh, in game one
1: yeah, I, right now I do have that circle that I would like to be on Florida. I really want to be on Florida. There's even some narrative reasons why I'd like to be on Florida. And I know that's not how we like to bet. But, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons why I want to be on Florida. But I want to kind of I – do, I do want to get that Dreacher confirmation. I feel a lot sure. better about it with him and Nett. Uh, if you can get – if Dreacher starts, though, in that game and they're anything like short of, of, you know, minus 110 or plus money, I think I'll absolutely
0: go on Florida in game one yeah i think i'm right there with you uh as for the east uh i'm back on my aisles bs i'm back on my (laughs) aisles bs so uh short answer in this one are you and then longer answer for the other series i call taylor hall the vaccination because life for the bruins this season you have already bet boston is this a one-time thing or will you be getting more than one dose what's your take on the east I, I'm in
1: Boston in a lot of ways. I'm definitely in Boston on Boston in a lot of ways. I hope that they, I, I'm probably going to be on them in game one. So I can't say that, but I, part of me almost wants them to lose game one, just so I can get an even better price on them in the series. Cause I still think that they're too much for Washington. Um, yeah. I, I have them to come out of the East as well. I think that Washington is probably the toughest Matchup they'll face, and I just for me the big thing between Boston and Washington is like what's Washington's path to success in this series? I have trouble finding it because I mean their top six is good, but realistically it's not as good as Boston's. They're a big concern for me too is the fact that there's just their shooting percentage is unsustainable. Like, and they're always you know kind of the team that that exceeds their underlying metrics and they're always dubbed for regression but like i think that's especially true this year just like ovechkin and kuznetsov and Backstrom are all like career highs in in shooting percentage this year like way above their their career averages and they were number two in the league in five on five shooting percentage like that's going to come down the and the bruins were bottom two We're number We're like i think 30th in the league so so, you know, that's going to come up a little bit. We saw that in the last 20 games. Uh, I was putting together my series preview today, and I saw, you know, over the last 20 games, they were basically dead even in five-on-five, five, you know, shooting percentage. So that is already starting to correct itself. I think the Capitals rely really heavily on the power play, and Boston's penalty kill is just, is lights out. And the way that they're rolling right now, I mean, the top six is, is you can barely touch them. But then Lazar has done big things for that fourth line, which was a sort spot for them kind of early on in the year. Mm-hmm. I just think this is a team with like no holes right now. Really, their defensive depth maybe you can question it, but I just I just can't see a path for Washington to be successful here. And Washington's got their own health issues, and there I think there's something going on with Kuznetsov. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I just think that there's some some issues there. And uh, yeah, I want no part of Washington, and I want every part of Boston. So it just kind of works out perfectly that they're meeting in
0: this first round. Yeah, oh well, yeah, uh, perfectly well, in theory in theory perfectly but i agree with yeah. you man i think that you know you want to be on that side of the uh, bruins right when they're just absolutely annoying the hell out of everybody involved and it's funny how the narrative changes with one season with one playoff run and in a lot of cases one or two games with washington right because it's like disappointment 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 and then you know they're down to nothing to columbus the year they win the stanley cup they win. You know, I think that third game went to overtime, right, I think to make mm-hmm. a comeback in order to do it, right? And then that sort of catapults them to winning the Stanley Cup. And obviously that kind of shows, you know, the razor's edge of competition in the NHL. And then last year, right, they come back, and we all just kind of brush it off like, oh, the bubble. And, like, you know, they have these guys who maybe just kind of stopped working out or whatever. And we just make these excuses for them in a way. And maybe that's true, and maybe it's not. Or, you know, who knows? But – it's like, you know, again, if it wasn't for kind of one game where maybe they could have gone down 3 nothing to Columbus that one season, like we're still probably talking about the Capitals as these sort of, you know, chokers or, or underachievers, if you will, right? And it's just because they won it one time doesn't mean that just goes away all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you when it comes to the East and then there's the west and so i have sort of a theory here about nhl futures and i feel like sometimes because it's the nhl and underdogs this and underdogs that that we can get caught up in this idea that like a 20 to 1 is going to win the stanley cup when it doesn't really actually happen that way right like you'll get a cinderella type team maybe they get to the finals but most often or not you know that usually kind of Peters out in the Western or Eastern conference finals. And it's even more difficult this year because of the reseeding element, right? Like you can go on this run, you know, pick your favorite sort of underdog team and you get to the semifinals. It's like, guess what? You don't even get the benefit of, you know, whoever you might happen to be playing in the East or West, you get the best team in the league. And so I actually think that that sort of creates value On the favorite here. And so my numbers state that there's a decent chance that the wild can beat Vegas. My numbers also really like the Avs in comparison to the blues. And I know they're going to be heavily favored, but like my numbers are basically like do whatever you want, pay whatever you pay, whatever price they ask of you (laughs) and just take the Avs over the blues here. So am I crazy for just kind of going like Avs 500 for the Stanley cup? isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. And some of these other teams are almost created, right? Whether it's the Leafs or Vegas, almost created just to artificially keep the Avs price from being like three to one or plus 250. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that
1: the price on Colorado can't be short enough.
0: Like realistically,
1: uh, you look at the, any futures market and like you're seeing a team at plus plus. 500 in a, what looks like a pretty you know good field. Um, you're like you don't want any part of that, but there's yeah there's value on the abs. I mean 450 even like I'd grab. I think that they're just so much better than every other team. Like they're going to be favored in every game in these playoffs. You'd have to think. Uh, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. The one thing that does worry me a little bit is the fact that Vegas has the kind of physicality up front that can maybe give you know colorado's d problems but again I, colorado's just such a good team it's hard to see that
0: necessarily mattering yeah yeah and and, and their path right because part of it is you know people just kind of look at these and they go oh this is too high this is too low blah, blah blah blah. but they don't really think about like the parlay element right and of course with a future market um you know, you're not getting the best value. People always say, like, just do a money line parlay or in this case, a series line parlay and you'll probably get better value. But I think there's a route here potentially where that's not actually even the case, right? Because of that reseeding in the semifinals and, you know, because I think that this Blues series is probably going to be even short, even though, you know, what are we probably going to be looking at here? Like a minus 300 type of a situation here, kind of no different than maybe Carolina and Nashville. Et cetera. And so we might actually even get a better price just based on like the blues branding, which would think. be fantastic. Which is, <laughs> yeah. And so once you kind of multiply all those together, like they kind of come out to a real possibility of them being like only a plus 400 rollover parlay, if you will. Right. And it's like, Oh, if that's the case, then I might as well just lock in, like you said, a plus 450, a plus 500, something along those lines. Um, do you think I'm crazy? You know, I've already you know talked about my Islanders, if you will, um, backing them as an underdog. Do you think I'm crazy uh, with the Wild here, potentially? No, because that's one of those things that we talked about that kind of, you know, where I, where, I, where, I, where I, at
1: least I talked about it, where I think the head-to-head stats come into play here. I think that, you know, just you're seeing the same teams over and over again during the season. How can you not put weight into that? and Minnesota did really well against Vegas this year. Like they, they had their number in a way. And I, uh, I was on Vegas in that last game they played, and Vegas was really lucky to win in overtime. And that was one of their few wins against Minnesota this year. So I think we're going to see a pretty heavy price with uh, with Vegas, and there's definitely going to be value. I'm very curious to see what the series line is, though, because I'm wondering if if they're going to take those season stats into account, those head-to-head stats, but. If not, and if Vegas is, you know, as big a favorite as maybe the cup market kind of indicates they will be in this series, then yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some good value on the Wild, who are actually a lot of fun to watch again this year.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and so I'm looking forward to that series a ton, because I think that one uh goes a long way so uh you got your carolina hurricanes future you got your boston bruins um anything else in the futures department and maybe even con Smythe. have you gotten into that at all um or is there any and anything else really that you like the most it could be something like you know blah 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 series plus one and a half minus one and a half you know anything that you like here uh empty the bag for us here Alex. Yeah,
1: I so so I was I was just just diving into those extra markets a little bit um and the uh you know in this just before recording here really and um I saw a couple of things like Rantanen at 10 to 1 to lead the playoffs in goals and I thought it was a really nice price. He was like I think it was like fifth or sixth on the odds board. I liked that. Um, same thing with maybe Svechnikov. I saw him a lot further down. I don't remember exactly what his odds were, but I thought that was a nice price and I'm I definitely would look into a couple of uh Carolina players in the in the Smythe market because they're a little bit devalued. I guess they don't have the same sort of name value as guys like, you know, McKinnon and even Mark Stone sure. up there and Austin Matthews and McDavid. But like, this is a team that has a really good chance of going all the way. And, you know, someone on that team can very well Win this award. I don't see any reason why, like an Aho or a, even a Dougie Hamilton, can't you know can't take that home. And I, there's some decent prices on them. I did take uh, Boston to come out of the East at plus 165. I liked that price uh, a decent amount, and I think that I think Pittsburgh and the Islanders. I know you're on the Islanders. I don't really have a strong lean either way here, but I do think it's going to be a tough series. And right. you know, even if Pittsburgh does get by them, I think Pittsburgh's going to be a bit more worn out from that. Just it's the Islanders are no fun to play, right? They they, right. they, they demoralize you and they <laughs> take a lot out of you. And so either way, I think Boston's toughest, toughest matchup will be this first round series, which I don't think is that particularly tough. So I like them to come out of the East plus 165. And I think that I will take a flyer on Winnipeg and Montreal probably not a lot but I'll, I'll dabble okay. on both of them to come out of the uh to come out of the north because I just think that I mean getting like just shy of 7 to 1 on both of them to to win two series realistically is is a horrible number because are the Leafs that great I'm not Sold. We know, you know, the Leafs have had their struggles in the playoffs in the past. And I'm not, you know, I'm not all in on Jack Campbell as, you know, Leafs Nation might be. So I think that there's a little bit of value there. Uh, I I also took Boston minus one and a half in that first round series because, again, I can't possibly invest enough in the Bruins. So when they lose, you know, in six, you'll
0: find me uh, at the bottom (laughs) of the river. (laughs) Fair, Fair enough. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh, He's Alex J. Moretto on Twitter. Follow him for his plays, his written words on thescore.com, Score app, and send him your thoughts and prayers next week because my guy's (laughs) going to need it. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Next up, one of our faves, Chris Abbott, country manager for Cool Canada. No one during the Stanley Cup playoffs will make a better play than this man did when he decided to get far far away from ontario (laughs) newfoundland has welcomed him home i welcome you sir back to the window how are you
2: i'm good matt yeah i mean normally i think we live a few blocks from each other and now i am uh like 38 hour car ride with a ferry in there away from you but um yeah newfoundland i've been fortunate uh we you know we we fit the criteria to get back in over here and um, I'm keeping up with what's going on in Ontario and, and uh, shaking my head an awful lot. but absolutely. It's good, good to be back at the window, man. I look forward to going to an actual physical window at some point, but for now, <laughs> this is the best window available <laughs> in the world.
0: There you go. The virtual window we'll have to do for now. So you had to do a two-week quarantine. Were you just in the lab with uh, hockey stats, or was it just sleep training for now, late late nights, that you're going to have to deal with with the time change? Like, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Well, I'm going to be
2: completely honest with you. I, you know, I was doing my regular stuff day-to-day. Day. Um, my girlfriend uh, does not care to watch hockey late into the night, so, um, <laughs> you know, we caught up on some TV that we, we hadn't watched and whatnot, but It was it was okay. It was um, not something I really want to do often, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And the reason I think it wasn't as bad is because in Ontario, we've all just been living that quarantine life, man. Like, yeah, I'd wake up in the morning. I'd roll out to my computer. I'd take the dog out in the yard. um, I'd come in. I'd eat. I'd go to sleep. I'd do it all again the next day. I mean, that's life in Toronto right now, uh, whether you're in a government mandated quarantine or not.
0: So it wasn't that odd for us. Yeah, it's, that's fair. So let's start sort of big picture here. Um, you know, you've had obviously, like every other sports book, have the futures for the Stanley Cup up. Um, you know, this season because of the way the format works, we don't have to even bother with Western Conference, Eastern Conference futures, which actually kind of bums me out because I prefer kind of betting that way than I than just betting the champion necessarily. So would have had liability kind of built up here not just in the last couple of days or so but for the entire season i remember last year going into the bubble uh hockey situation which sounds like we're playing in somebody's basement um but you know i remember the AVs being a a high level of uh, of liability for you guys is that still the case here or who who are you looking at going like oh man we would really prefer if they did not win the stanley cup at least among the favorites if there is a team out there that uh, that fits that bill yeah, it's
2: actually um, it's funny because when you asked me to talk about this, I hadn't really looked at the liabilities in the last couple of weeks, honestly, since I came to Newfoundland. And uh, things have changed. Um, the the betting public, at least at Coolbet, is maybe getting a little bit smart here. So, uh, or maybe the odds <laughs> are bad. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've got Colorado kind of fourth on our liability list right now. Um, they do. They have taken the most bets, but of course at the lowest price. Uh, there's going to be other teams with higher liability right now. Uh, our our biggest liability lies with the Winnipeg jets to win the Stanley cup, which yeah, not many people got them going there. I think they're about 34 to one right now, but at 15 to one, the Florida Panthers sit second on that liability list. And I think they're a real interesting team coming in here. Um, they're going to have to get by Tampa and Carolina no, no easy feat. but you know, this Florida team second half of the season has been right there with everybody, um, you know, made a couple of sneaky additions at the trade deadline. Maybe Sergei Bobrovsky is the guy we've seen in the past. They've got a Stanley Cup winning head coach. So I'm a little little bit nervous about Florida's uh, liability here, um, even though, of course, they are a bit of a long shot.
0: Okay, so you actually give them a pretty, uh, pretty decent chance of getting out of that central division. Um, you know, is there any air in that list where you're like, like- why aren't we more liable? <laughs> like, you know, obviously, right now, I think the Boston Bruins are getting that attention based on how they've played with Taylor Hall. Um, you know, I don't. People don't seem all that sold on the Washington Capitals. You know, I personally think that the Islanders and, and maybe you can sort of weigh in here as as the artist formerly known as Nassau Chris. Uh, they have a chance to beat the Penguins here. Uh, so is there anybody that you're sitting there going like, why aren't more people betting on this team? Like, you know, you're kind of feeling lucky that maybe CoolBets not as liable as maybe they should be for on uh, some of these teams. Yeah. The, you, you
2: know, you mentioned the Bruins. They are of the 16 playoff teams. They are in 12th on the liability list for us. Like, wow. Quite, quite happy. Now that'll change, obviously, as the playoffs go on, right? But sure. right now, if the Stanley Cup was handed out today and Boston won, I'd be doing laps it would be a really, Ooh. really good thing. Yeah, so interesting. Um, b- Boston's low on the list. Um, uh, let, me t- let me do this. Let me tell you the teams that the book stands to lose on uh, today. Okay. They're w- Winnipeg, Florida, Edmonton, Colorado, Nashville, Toronto, in that order. Hmm. Every other team, including the Hurricanes, <laughs> including the Caps, including Vegas, Tampa, the book makes money, which I, I find a l- very interesting, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that is surprising. That's not the order that I would have come up.
2: Yeah. So what if I what was playing sort of a prices right game? <laughs> <laughs> what that indicates to me is that we've taken uh, some significant wagers on some of these long shots, like the Oilers, um, like the Panthers, and uh, maybe some of the bets we've taken a, a large quantity of bets on Vegas and Tampa, but maybe not for as much money. Um, so yeah, that's um, right now we're sitting pretty. That'll change drastically over the next two two and a half months. But, uh, yeah, that, that's the way it's looking right now. And, and with Boston low on that list, um, only trailed by St. Louis, Minnesota, Montreal, um, with hmm. the way the Bruins have played uh, all year. I mean, they've been a quiet team, right? Like, they play low-scoring games. They, they had these long stretches where they didn't score more than two goals or whatever. But they're a defensive team, and they do that very right. well and have – Arguably the best line in the NHL on their team. Uh, that that can be a winning recipe in the in the playoffs for sure.
0: Yeah, and they were handed a former MVP and complimentary, right? That <laughs> they were given a free MVP halfway through the season, which uh, which doesn't hurt. And their metrics have gone through the roof since that happened. So um, scaling it down a bit, obviously series prices, and in, in two cases we don't even have them uh, available just yet. Um, is there any sort of heavily weighted to one side betting? for any of these six series that you have numbers up for at this point, you know, and if so, you know, surprised, not surprised, whatever, like what's your general take on some of these series? Um,
2: I think the, well, when, it, when, let me, let me do this just like I did before. So sure. we've got twice as many bets on the Leafs than we have on, on Montreal. We've got, mm-hmm. you know, three times as many bets on Carolina than we do on Nashville. We've got, Four times as many bets on Edmonton than we do on Winnipeg, um, Florida slightly ahead of Tampa Bay, um, huh. you know, just like a few bets, uh, pretty much even, um, almost twice as many bets on Pittsburgh than on the Islanders, and three times as many bets on the Bruins than on the Capitals. So, uh-huh. a couple of things stand out to me there. So, and the biggest uh, financial risk right now is on the on the Bruins, which it's a little surprising to me seeing the futures um, profit we stand to make on them. But uh, I'm not, I'm not overly surprised that people are on the Bruins. I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion they get by the caps who are also a good hockey team. But uh, the fact that that's our biggest liability so far in the first round is it's a little bit surprising to me. I honestly thought we'd see a whole lot more on the Leafs, but I, I, I presume it's just because of the, the big price that people will find another way to bet on the Leafs in that in that first round
0: yeah yeah the big price is certainly scary as as well as a a long line of, of history um I was sort of, I would talk about it every year right I've lived here for 15 years uh in Toronto and I have yet to see them in the playoffs and when you sort of put it in that context given how long I feel like I've lived here um, that's kind of remarkable. You're, you're a Leafs fan. What's your sort of top-end expectation here for for the Maple Leafs?
2: Well, it's funny. You know, I did a, a radio hit in Vancouver last night, and the guys asked me the same thing. And I said, I can see this series going one of two ways. It could look like a tennis line score where the Leafs win 6-1, 6-2, 6-3. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's what's going to happen here. I really, really don't. I mean, like you said, the history tells us that the top six guys for this Toronto Maple Leafs team have not gotten it done in the playoffs. Um, history tells us that Carey Price has been outstanding in the playoffs. Brandon Gallagher has been outstanding in the playoffs. Josh Anderson is built for the playoffs in the mold of like a Ryan Klo, who have good regular seasons and then really <laughs> flourish in the playoffs. Um, plus, you got Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Jeff Petrie, a decent defense core in, in Montreal. So, I... I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, they are an underdog, no doubt about yeah, it. Of course. Um, but I don't think they're as big of an underdog as, as the number uh, is giving them. So I, I think there's, there's a little bit of value playing Montreal, maybe a little value playing, you know, a long series. Um, but, yes, if Toronto's firing on all cylinders like they can uh, and we see their penalty kill and their defensive zone like it has been at times this season, it could be a short series. Uh, it's it's kind of intriguing. I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, if nothing else, it'll, it'll be a, a great deal of fun. Uh, I didn't think we'd get a Ryan Klo reference uh, today, but uh, here I, we are. Is he a maritime guy? Is he a Newfoundland guy? Is that why he, we dropped a Ryan Klo? Well, Ryan is from Newfoundland. He's the exact same yeah. age as I am. And, uh, we used is he exactly sitting next play to you right, right
2: now? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we used to play against each other in minor hockey and minor fast-pitch softball, but... um. He's one of the world's world's greatest humans um, outside of hockey as well. Just very, very down to earth. Um, he was mean and menacing <laughs> with the sharks mostly. <laughs> Unfortunately, concussions derailed his career. Um, but yeah, he was. Uh, I loved watching him have success in the playoffs, and and our whole province
0: out here um, are very, very proud of what he did in the NHL. Absolutely. So Kubet cool has cooked up some. Fun props that you don't actually see. I would say, kind of, literally anywhere else, right? There's um, amount of overtime games in the first round. Amount of overtime games in the uh, playoffs entirely. Uh, my personal favorite, at least the one that I think I you know might get down on just for fun, is uh, total number of games from the Stanley Cup champion. Um, first and foremost, like, what's the one that you like the most as far as like you saw it and you were like, man, our odds makers, that's a fun one, uh, and then. So, what's one where you're like, ooh, I want to bet that because, you know, blank. Like, what, what's your take on these sort of fun, uh, let's call them novelty props, if you will, because they are literally new, like, novel. Yeah. I mean,
2: I love it. I So, the one that stands out to me is um, the total number of overtime games in the playoffs. I think that's a lot of fun because, well, first of all, the line set at 20 and a half with juice on the over. But... I just think about, um, you know, as we get on in the playoffs and every time we go to overtime, Hockey Night in Canada rolls that package with all the overtime winners, right? Yeah. And the number just creeps up and creeps up and creeps (laughs) up. And uh, I think, you know, I think most years, I haven't done the research, but I think most years it is around 20. So I think that's a really, really fun one uh, to get in on. And, uh, you know, if it's like most um, first rounds, especially... Um, I, don't, I don't think last year we did see a lot of overtime games early, but we, they did catch up. I actually remember, sorry, I know I'm rambling, but no, I remember sorry. last year, or well, in our summer playoffs that we had last year, yeah. after the first round, thinking, boy, there hasn't been a lot of overtime games. Might be time to start betting the draw on a few of the <laughs> right. games. Yeah. And, and I did, and it, and it hit a couple of times. But um, yeah, so I think that's a really fun one. But I think, and I think you just alluded to it, I think they might have got the number a little bit high for total games for the Stanley Cup champion at 24 and a half. You've got to win win four series. If you go six games in four series, that's only 24. So you're asking the Stanley Cup champ to get at least one seven-game series in, uh, probably two, because at some point there might be a four or five-gamer in there. So, listen, these guys are good. They're excellent at what they do. I wouldn't be shocked if it lands at 24 or 25. Uh, at the end of the day but um, I think that's the one that I'd get in on Uh, juice is on the under there and maybe we see that number move Um, although the playoffs start tomorrow so probably not Um, but yeah it's um, that's the one that I I think I'd put my money on
0: yeah I think uh, I'm right there with you which of course you know if we agree on it that means we're absolutely toast that's Um, trouble yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) might hedge it (laughs) it with (laughs) (laughs) the total number of game sevens then
0: that's right. I, yeah, I'm sure there's some way to, uh, to hedge it even individually once you get to the Stanley Cup finals with like an over-under games played type of thing. Uh, you can follow him at cool Chris. That's Chris with a K-K-R-I-S. And go to CoolBet.com and, uh, and, and enjoy some of these fun, like I said, novelty props. And in a lot of cases, some of the best numbers that you can get when it comes to series prices and money lines uh, as well. Uh Chris Abbott, thanks as always my friend. Matt, thanks so much for having me man. You do great work
2: and I appreciate being part of it.
0: Some really interesting stuff there from Chris Abbott with regards to uh you know their liability and some of the betting patterns and I think you know we're kind of on to something there potentially with you know just the idea that the Boston Bruins for example are getting attention in this series market but maybe getting you know a little bit less attention so far. Really surprising in, uh, you know, the Colorado avalanche not being, uh, you know, a a quote unquote favorite of betters, even though they are the favorite. And I think that just kind of goes to show um, how deep people get into the idea that, you know, some other long shot is going to come in. Uh, So let's get into sort of our final little segment here, Uh, the Conn Smythe trophy market here. And I'm kind of obsessed with this market in a little bit of a way because, For one, it's just kind of fun to compare and contrast. And so, you know, first and foremost, what you have to understand about this market is, you know, you're comparing individual players to their team. And so you have to start from a point of, is this team going to win the Stanley Cup? And so the good news is we've already been given sort of an idea of what the market thinks, right? We've got futures numbers. And so you can literally take those futures prices and you can put them into a chart and come up with win probabilities for each team, right? And so you start there. So we can just pick a team, you know, for example, if you will, and let's just take the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm sitting here in Toronto, people are interested in the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they also have a bunch of different elements to that team. And you can use, you know, any of these quality teams that have different guys that could win the Conn Smythe Trophy, right? And so we have to start with the idea of the, you know, the horrific, the terrifying idea that the Toronto Maple Leafs actually win the Stanley Cup, right? And so their win probability right now, their odds are, you know, plus 650 or so. So their win probability, that translates to 13.3%, right? So you start there when it comes to mathing out what the number should be for these teams right and so in this case with the Toronto Maple Leafs at 13.3% if they were a team where just one guy there was only a chance for one guy to win the Conn Smythe trophy then his win probability for the Conn Smythe trophy would be 13.3% however They don't. They have a couple of different guys that could do it, right? Austin Matthews could do it. Mitch Marner could do it. You could even throw in a Tavares, you know, at some point. Maybe a Morgan Riley has a big playoff where he gets a couple of overtime goals. Or maybe Frederick Anderson or maybe Jack Campbell. And you kind of have to split between the two here. Maybe the goaltender, if you will, just absolutely stands on his head here. And so let's start with the concept of history here. 50 Conn Smythe Trophy winners, um, you know, exist, right? Which is nice because we have a nice round number for that. 26 of them have been forwards, 11 of them have been defensemen, and 13 of them have been goaltenders, which means doing a quick multiplication of two means 52% of the time a forward wins, 22% of the time a defenseman wins, and 26% of the time a goaltender wins. Now, the goaltender number has dipped in the last 20 years in modern times, if you will, because I think we've all just kind of figured out here, especially as the game has evolved, that like okay, the goaltenders are here, and there maybe there's going to be a couple of shutouts throughout the play the playoffs, but it's not going to be that type of thing where in the late '90s it was you know shut shutout after shutout Dominic Hasek, Ed Belfour, Patrick waugh you know Mike Vernon slash Chris Osgood with Detroit like these guys, you know were better contenders than I think the goalie crop here, and so the only way I see a goaltender winning. A uh, cons my Trophy here is if they are carrying a team that otherwise, you know, we, it's sort of a long shot type thing, right? If you are dragging a long shot team, it's probably because of your goaltending, right? So you look at a team like the Islanders with Semyon Varlamov, uh, a Winnipeg Jets, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about them here in this market in a second here. But so the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't really that team, and so you know you start from a point of okay, there's a 13% chance they win the Stanley Cup. But there is, you know, a twenty percent chance that their goaltender wins the con Smythe. So you have to take twenty percent of that thirteen percent, and that now creates your number, right? And so what number that ends up creating, if you're using that twenty percent, like, you know, is better or higher than fifty to one. And so I think you have to sort of steer clear from that because we don't really think that that number is as high as it should be. Where the number is, and you're probably saying it yourself, is Austin Matthews. Like Austin Matthews is much higher of a percentage than this sort of formula makes it out to believe. So again, in theory, the formula is, you know, again, 13% for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. There's about a 50 to 55%. Let's bump the forwards up a little bit if we're going to take away a little bit from the goaltenders, right? We have to take some and, and put it somewhere else. take it and we put that on the forwards that means say a 60% chance if the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup that a forward wins it well I think we all know that it's probably a little bit higher than that right and of that 60% you know we have to throw maybe 10% of that is to Tavares and maybe 25% of that is to Marner and then uh, Matthews is going to take much more of that percentage right and so when you do all of that math and you kind of figure all of that stuff out you go okay that kind of comes out to about 16-1 to altogether. And, you know, if you think that there's like a 100% chance that Matthews wins the Conn Smythe Trophy if Toronto wins the Stanley Cup, then that's a better bet than just the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup. And so that sort of segues me here to the one that I actually would bet on here. And it's sort of my favorite bet, even though I don't actually think it's going to win. But I think there's some legitimate argument to be made for actually creating value here with uh, Connor McDavid to win the Conn Smythe. And here's why. One, you know, we just talked about the idea of Austin Matthews being 100% chance, 50% chance, whatever, of winning the Conn Smythe trophy if the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. And we have talked about the three or four other guys that could do it. Who's the other guy on the Edmonton Oilers that could do it? There isn't one. He is literally the 100% chance winner of the Conn Smythe Trophy if the Oilers win the Stanley Cup, right? There's just no way that they win the Stanley Cup and we sit around and go, well, Leon Draisaitl was pretty good. Or like Mike Smith was awesome. It's like, no, if they win the Stanley Cup, if they pull off a series of upsets, right? They're a favorite in the first round. They're likely, you know, facing Toronto as an underdog in the second round, will probably be an underdog in the third round. And then we'll, of course, be an underdog in the final. And if they do that, it's not, they're going to go above and beyond the call of duty, if you will. They're going to do it because, uh, excuse me, uh, Connor McDavid was really, really awesome right? And so he's 100% of the chance going to win. So you can't bet under any circumstances the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Again, you might think they win the Stanley Cup, you might be positive for whatever reason that they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But it's like the rest of the season, where if they have success, if you are going to bet on the Oilers, you are doing so because of Connor McDavid. So we might as well bet on Connor McDavid, right? How many times do we have to do that, right? So the point is, is if he's 100% of the probability of winning the con Smythe, then his number has to equal Edmonton's chances of winning the Stanley Cup. And so if you go to your sportsbook right now and you look it up and you go, okay, the Oilers are 20 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. Again, that's not a number that can possibly be bet as long as Connor McDavid exists. And if you look at your con Smythe trophy uh market, if he's anything higher than 20 to 1, that's automatic value right there, right? Because again, he's a hundred he should be a hundred percent of the Oilers odds right their probability so again it's 21 to 1 it's 25 to 1 I've even seen 40 to 1 in certain places that's the bet to make from again a purely value standpoint you may not believe that the Oilers are going to you know win the Stanley Cup I certainly don't think so but I'm still going to make this bet just on a value play but wait there's more there's also a universe, and you can sort of decide whether this is a 1% you know, probability, you can decide whether this is a 5% probability, whatever you sort of want to decide. But it, it is not a 0%. It is a non-0% probability that Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers make the Stanley Cup final, and he wins the Conn Smythe Trophy in a losing cause. Because after six weeks of watching this guy probably put up two points per game leading the team to the Stanley Cup final, and even if they lose in five games to a real quality team, Carolina, Colorado, whomever, who has multiple candidates, maybe a bunch of different guys with 20 points over the course of the playoffs, maybe the goaltender's been good, maybe they have a stud defenseman who's done stuff, right, like Victor Hedman last year, and we'll get to another candidate in that realm here in a second. But there's a very real possibility that through six weeks of Connor McDavid being awesome, we all just decide as he's sitting there with 40 points in 25 games, that no matter what happens, he's just the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Because remember, it's for body of work through the playoffs. It's not a you know Super Bowl MVP. It's not even a World Series MVP where you hit a couple home runs. And you sort of steal it, right? Can you tell me who the Boston Red Sox MVP was in the World Series from a couple of years ago? I'm betting you can't unless you're a Boston Red Sox fan, which you probably can. not So the point is, is, you know, he doesn't even have to have that great of a final series to have a pretty decent chance of winning the Conn Smythe. So now you really only need, again, theoretically, the Oilers to win three series. The first series they're going to be a favorite in. The second series, if they get a little lucky, maybe Montreal knocks off Toronto, maybe they're, you know, they're going to be a favorite in that series. And then obviously now you're down to a semifinal series and they're going to need an outstanding performance to get by, you know, what will probably end up being a really, really good team. Maybe they get a bit, a little, little bit lucky and maybe there's some upsets in the other divisions and they end up playing another sort of two, three type seed. But you look around and it's Florida, it's Tampa, it's Boston, it's Washington. There's a lot of good other two, three type seeds here. So, um, for me here, I think there's value on Connor McDavid. Like, I don't love it because I don't think it's going to actually win. But when you're looking at this Conn Smythe Trophy market, when we're kind of talking ourselves into some of these other guys and we look at what the math shakes out to be, you know, look at a guy like, I mean, you look at Tampa Bay, right? Like, none of their guys have an appropriate price in the market because of the guys on the team that exist around them and because of the expectation of you know uh, them making the stanley cup or, or winning the stanley cup same thing with colorado colorado is an incredibly good uh, example right nate mckinnon right now is the favorite to win the Conn trophy we haven't even dropped the puck yet he's not even the best uh, in point share on his team right Mikko Rantanen has a better point share so he's actually theoretically a better value but again you're dividing his probability of winning with you know their probability probability of winning the entire thing and by the way they still have a goaltender who is top 5 this season and who could be extremely good they have a defenseman who sort of fits the bill in Kale McCarr, right there's a bunch of different opportunities there for different guys to win the Conn Smythe trophy and that's the problem with some of these really good teams right and of course we talked about goaltenders right the UC Saros's of the world and the Varlamov's of the world who, if their team wins the Stanley cup, they're going to be the con Smythe trophy winner. Like that's just the thing that's going to happen. Now in a lot of cases we'll never know, right because they'll probably get knocked out in the first round nashville's got carolina to deal with in the first round you know as much as we like the islanders in the first round like that's going to be a tough road to hoe after that right so maybe there's a possibility there that varlamov is a decent bet there but again his number is pretty short and because of recent history you know again we're not looking to you know to uh vote for consmith trophy goaltenders here so when you're looking at McDavid, they're already favored in the first round, which is more than you can say for some of these goaltenders that would need to have to strap their team on their back in order to get to the Stanley Cup final and, you know, again, potentially win the Smythe Trophy. And in those cases with goaltenders, it's going to be a lot harder to win it if you don't win the series, right? Gone are the days of Ron Hextall and JS Jaguar of being just given credit for carrying a team to the Stanley Cup Final you know I think we're just still more likely to give it to the winning team again unless there's something so blatantly obvious like a player scoring 40 points in 20 playoff games that we just absolutely have to give it to that guy now again the point is there's value there but it's still probably not going to happen because Edmonton can very easily get knocked out in the first round so now we have to look at different players on different teams and so you know we talked about the forward defense goaltender just you know uh discrepancy if you will one other thing the average age of a Smythe trophy winner 27.8 years of age right so this is often sort of a veteran guy a you know a quality player potentially but maybe you know when we see like the ryan o'reilly's of the world right like that's right in the age range that you would normally expect the couple of outliers in all of this are really young guys. And those guys have been Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Evgeny Malkin. What do they all have in common? Well, one, they're future Hall of Famers. And so maybe there's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation here where you go, okay, are they Hall of Famers because they won the Conn Smythe or were they gonna be Hall of Famers anyway? Right, a little bit complicated there. But the other thing that they are, are top three draft choices in the NHL. And if there's one thing that the NHL kind of gets right a lot of the times, it's their top three picks over the course of an entire career. Now obviously there's some flameouts over the year. And that's a completely different conversation here. But the vast majority of the top players in the league. Are in that sort of top three top five of the draft right. And there Nathan McKinnon lies as a, as a past number one selection. Austin Matthews of course qualifies. Mitch Marner was a number four overall. So sort of he qualifies. A couple of other guys that are sort of less uh, likely. But also interesting Barkov for Florida. Really interesting there. And strangely enough, Florida also has another top two draft choice that is on their team, Sam Bennett. Now, I'm not arguing or making the case for Sam Bennett for a con Smythe, but it wouldn't be that far-fetched because he qualifies as just 24 still, by the way, as a top pick. Uh, And obviously he's had a ton of success here in his limited time with Florida. So I mean, at least that's just kind of interesting from a qualification standpoint, right? If you're going to be a little bit further down in the draft, you have to be a little bit older, right? We're looking at the Braden points of the world, the Pasternak's, who were late-ish first round type picks here. Same thing with the Sebastian Aho, which brings us to the Carolina Hurricanes, which we haven't talked a ton about here, right? So if you've got their split here in Carolina, of course, one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup at plus seven. Fifty, which means that they have about a twelve-ish like, percent chance of winning the Stanley Cup, right? And so, if they had just one player who is automatically going to win the Conn Smythe if they win the Stanley Cup. That player would be at about seven, eight to one to win the con Smythe, right? Like that's right around the territory of Nathan McKinnon. But of course, Carolina doesn't. Why? Because they are loaded top to bottom from a roster standpoint. It's why the metrics people love Carolina so much, but they're an interesting candidate because if you look at the individual positions here, goaltender is Peter Mrazic going to play, is our boy Ned going to play, or is it going to be a split of the two, right? If we get to a point where we're playing back-to-back games, listen, Peter Mrazic Mrazik's not exactly the most healthy guy or the most durable guy over the course of his career. And Nedeljvic could certainly deserve even just the first game, right? He could be the guy. Now, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because they have obviously a lot of equity invested into Mrazik. But the point is, is you could get through this entire playoffs with both guys in the mix, which again, already we're not looking to give the Consummate Trophy to a goaltender and sort of as a general rule here, I think the last one was Jonathan Quick like 10 years ago. So I think that number has to get dropped, right? Their probability has to get dropped off of 20%. I think that, you know, again, this is sort of playing with the numbers a little bit, but I think that number becomes a little bit closer to like 5%. So you gotta bump that up somewhere. So let's look to the forwards here. Let's bump up their probability. But the problem is there's a ton of forwards available. Now, Sebastian Ajo, certainly the main, um, you know, candidate, if you will. But we have a candidate also in a guy like Svechnikov, top two draft choice, who's 20 years old, sort of fits the mold of a Kane-Taves type of situation there. We don't know what he's going to be going forward, so he's certainly capable. And then you have, of course, a handful of other guys that aren't necessarily Consmith candidates, and there's a bunch of different guys on this Smythe board. I'll point to Jake Gensel, for example. There's guys on here that need to be good for their team to win the Stanley Cup. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be MVP level of that team, right? So, like, if you could say, well, the Pens win the Stanley Cup, if Jake Gensel's really good, that's probably true. But it also, they're also probably just going to give it to Sidney Crosby, right? We've seen that before. Or if Genny Malkin, if he happens to return and is very, very good and maybe gets more points than Crosby does, right? But, again, that's just another example. And you could make this, the Connor McDavid thing, sort of the Sidney Crosby rule where it's like, Just give it to the best guy at this point. Give it to the captain, give it to the leader, give it to the famous guy, so to speak. Point is with Carolina, there isn't really anybody famous. There isn't really anybody who's going to jump out at you. And the value in Carolina as a team is that they roll three, four lines and they get scoring all throughout the lineup. They are unrelenting, which leaves one other position, and that's defense. And uh, our friend Alex just mentioned him. And I didn't want to sort of jump on it right there because I wanted to save it for now. But with Carolina, if they win the Stanley Cup, and again, that starts there. It starts with their, what, 12% chance to win the Stanley Cup. But if they do, there's a very real possibility the scoring is distributed throughout the lineup. The goaltending is mix and match or whatever. And that Dougie Hamilton is the guy who sort of comes up out of nowhere and you know whether it's forwards or defense and we got a guy here who is a you know high first round pick we've got a guy here who is you know in that age range right now where it wouldn't be completely insane and we have a guy here who from a metric standpoint makes that team better we talked last year about you know whether or not Doug Hamilton was going to be in the lineup and because when he's in the lineup they're a much better team and when there's not and as we go along here and get more comfortable as a society with NHL metrics that's going to come up at some point point. and now he's going to have to do stuff right but he does do stuff 16 assists on the power play uh, a shot percentage of 5.6 percent which is actually really low so there's room for him to score more in this uh, you know playoffs he is the shots on goal leader this season from defensemen so you know he's firing away and so all it's going to take is maybe an overtime winner here or there some strong play defensively and if the rest of the forwards are getting in and around the 20 point mark and so is he as the quarterback to the power play as a guy who is going to get a lot of shots on goal and going to have a lot of assists here if he's sitting there at you know 18 points where the next best or the the best guy is at 21 22 23 say it's aho and he's also a great defender we're looking at another Victor Hedman type situation and so Dougie Hamilton here I think has a very real possibility of winning the Conn Smythe Trophy should Carolina win the Stanley Cup and so now we've got Connor McDavid with Edmonton we've got Carolina's Dougie Hamilton and so I think those two are the only ones that actually have discernible value given what we think of their team from a win probability standpoint and the percentage within that win probability of them actually winning the Con smythe Trophy because again, if he... Certainly, I think he's 100% of the defensemen for Carolina who are capable of winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. But I think he's also taking a lot of that percentage from the goaltenders that we talked about. And I think he's taking a lot of even some percentage of the forwards here. So if they win the Stanley Cup, I think Dougie Hamilton's got a better than 50% chance of winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. And when we talk about, yeah, but the consummate trophy has only gone to a defenseman sort of 22% of the time, there's a a handful of teams here that just don't even have that candidate, right? So that 22% has gone to guys like Scott Niedermeyer, Scott Stevens, like we talked about Hedman, Nicholas Lidstrom, right? High level guys. And when you talk about teams like Florida, there isn't really a guy on that squad, right even Pittsburgh they have Chris Letang but like the probability of him winning is really really low same thing with Washington John Carlson in theory has a decent chance Um, Alex talked about McAvoy uh, and, and the minutes that he plays. I think that's a possibility, but I think Hamilton has the sort of defensive, um, you know, extra points, if you will, um, from a general probability standpoint with defensemen. The other guy, Kale McCarr, talked about him. I think there's some value to him as well because if you're sitting there going like, well, McKinnon's got 30 points, but Rantanen's also got 30 points, and Rantanen's got two overtime goals, and McKinnon's got an overtime goal, and Kale McCarr has a point per game through this entire thing, I think you go with Caleb McCarr in that situation. I think he fits the bill as well. And he's sitting around 30 to one here. Uh, and I think that's fair value. So I think we're up to three guys when it comes to fair value. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, haven't talked about them in part because, again, I'm invested in them not making it very far because I'm invested in the Colorado Avalanche here, right? So you do have to take some uh, element of what do I actually think is going to happen? What are the different routes, right? And so if I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights route is very good, they also have, of course, a bunch of different players that could win it. Flurry could win it. Stone could win it. Uh, Reddy could win it. Alex Tuck is a guy, a long shot that could even win it, but even his win probability, if you will, isn't high enough to justify even just being hundred to one. He would need to be sort of two hundred one to have value. Um, a guy I like a lot, Shea Theodore. I have him at eighty to one. I think that's an appropriate price, but even the market is looking at him and going like, yeah, we've got him at forty to one. No value there, right? We talk about Nashville. Doesn't really matter about Roman Yossi. UC Saros, if they win the Stanley Cup, is going to be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Henman could do it back to back. That just kind of seems unlikely. I mean, for lack of really a better mathematical breakdown, it just seems sort of <laughs> like it's not going to happen. Same thing Montreal, right? Handful of different guys, but like none of them. You know the problem is they have so many different guys that all of their guys should be like over a hundred to one because of their win probability for the Stanley cup being so low, but the market hasn't, done that right the market has dropped those guys numbers because they're just never going to get an appropriate 200 to 1 price on tyler to for example they're just never going to give that to you but based on their win probability and the amount of different guys that could win it on that team right they don't have the gear the goaltender that's going to carry them maybe that person is carry price but also based on the fact that what we've you know we've what we've seen of him has not been good i think he is a stay away as well so you can sort of see up and down the road here You know, why we would and why we wouldn't back certain players, right? And so there's just no mathematical value when it comes to a Toronto person. Same thing with Montreal. Edmonton, it's McDavid or nothing. And then finally, last team that we have to mention is Winnipeg. And you're sitting here going, like, yeah, but we've just backed you know McDavid here. Why would we do anything with regards to Winnipeg? The other goaltender in that UC Saros Varlamov mold that can carry a team, and we've talked about it all season. What does Connor Halibuck do? He carries the team. Uh, Along here. And so if they knock off the Oilers, right, it's probably because Connor Hellebuck got the better of Connor McDavid. If they make the Stanley Cup final, it's because he carried them that way. I think there's even a possibility that he's the best chance to make a Stanley Cup final. As a goaltender that carried the team that still could win the my Trophy if his team lost in that final, right? I think that number of people is literally three it's Hellebucket, Saros, and Varlamov. The other really good goaltenders are going to have a problem winning the Konsmite Trophy because they have other great players on their team. I'm talking Vasilevsky. I'm talking about Grubauer, um, you know, even some of the longer shots, right? If St. Louis wins the Stanley Cup, it's not necessarily because of Jordan Binnington. So um, a lot to think about when it comes to the Smythe Trophy there, uh, but a market that I think is really, really fun. So I wanted to get that in at the very end here. So hopefully you're still hanging on for the podcast Finally, last little thing here, um, our stupid system, the wheel, you'll remember it from last year, mixed results, because in some cases, one element did really well, and others did not do as well. And this, what the system is, is a plus one and a half, betting that every single game. That's the starting point. You're gonna get a lot of minus 200 type prices. Uh, If it's any lower than that, it means you're backing a really big underdog. If it's any higher than that, it means the game was kind of a coin flip, but you're going to have to lay a minus 300 type price. That being said, this went 12 units above uh, par if you will. We made, it, made 12 units last year and just betting the plus one and a half in every single game. It can be frustrating when empty nets go uh, and sometimes they come in bunches and you'll lose this two, three, four, five times in a row but you will also go a 30 game stretch where this loses like five times and you slowly churn out a profit over the course of a longer period of time now we had more games last year in the playoffs so that's why it was able to go a little bit longer and the uh, and the profit ended up being 12 units the other element right these other two elements are ones that are going to lose more often the first one's going to win more often and maybe be profitable in all cases it's a maybe be profitable but in the case of the plus one and a half you're going to win this 70 to 75 percent of the time and that of course is fun on the flip side we're talking about heavily um, you know, juiced, if you will, on our side of things, different props. And the next stage is team to score first loses the game. You can find this prop in a lot of sportsbooks. Bet365 has it for every single game. And we used to be able to get plus 190 and plus 195 and even occasionally plus 200, but they caught on to us in the early 2010s and have dropped these average prices to about plus 165. And so again, the margin gets lower. And so basically what this is is You know, you bet on a team that's going to score first to lose. So team scores first, let's call it, you know, Avalanche and Blues. Avs score first, now we need the Blues to win. Bad news is, is we're way behind it. But what if the Blues win that game? And now we're getting plus 165 on a Colorado Avalanche team, right? And so you're taking the high variance of the first goal of the game, and you're using that to your advantage. Then you're factoring in overtime. Every time you go to overtime, you've got one team at plus 165, plus 170. And there isn't much in the way of matchups here where once we get to overtime, even Colorado and St. Louis, if that goes to overtime, you know, the price is probably going to be about that, right? And that's kind of the worst case scenario. So all of these teams, maybe with the exception of the Colorado Avalanche, you're going to be happy that you've got a plus 165 to plus 170 if it goes to overtime. So the idea is... Overtimes are good because you've cashed plus one and a half. You've got a good value team to cheer for in overtime. The final thing, and this is for the people who really, really pay attention to these games. Every time a team goes down 0-2 in a game before the 25-minute mark, so five minutes into the second period, not with second period left, Uh, with five minutes left into the second period. So that leaves 35 minutes left for the team to come back. You are going to get a plus 300, plus 500, in some cases, six or 700, depending on the matchup price. You are not going to win these very often. You are going to win these roughly one-fifth of the time to one-sixth of the time. Maybe on a good season, you'll win these one out of every four times. Maybe that season is this season because of the familiarity between all of these teams. But again, down O2, they always say the most you know, cliche, right? The most famous cliche in hockey, it's the worst lead in hockey, down you know, being up two to nothing. Let's put that to the test. Let's bet live a team that goes down O2, because if they get that third goal and it's two to one now we're talking here right and even if it comes down to a pull the goalie late situation we're getting 35 plus you know 30 minutes or so at the very least in some cases you might be down oh two You know, in the first 10 minutes, you've got 50 minutes left of the game to come back and you'll be getting a significant plus money price to do so. Again, depending on the season, sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes the plus one and a half doesn't get there that often, but the down O2 has a really good season, you know, all of this stuff. And if you're new to sports betting and new to hockey betting, but you really want to get deep into it and you don't want to think too much, but you want to pay attention and you want to kind of be involved, engaged with the games. I think that's a pretty good system there as well. Finally, the games for this week, and I'll have this up on the Action Network app, of course. We're backing the Islanders, plus 105 right now is the price that I was able to get. Uh, Florida, plus 105. Talked again with Alex, he's, you know, talking about how he needs you know Bobrovsky to not be in net. we haven't seen that necessarily but I'm going to take that plus 105 and I'm going to hope that all of the crumbs that they've laid the groundwork that they've laid this season that would show that Dreger would get that start I'm going to bet that that's the case if it's not you know listen this might end up being a plus 120 price and we've lost 15 cents of value but I'll still take my chances here with Florida in game one I don't necessarily know about the series uh price um But again, home ice game one with a Tampa team that may be adjusting to having their big guns back. Which, by the way, like that only, shouldn't say only, but that helps them if they get a ton of power plays. But they haven't been getting power plays against Florida in the last couple of games. So uh, backing those two teams as small underdogs. uh, I'm on the Bruins in that first game. I'm jumping into the pond here with everybody. Don't want to lay the minus one. 50 minus 160 for the series price just yet if they happen to lose this game so let's look at it this way i'm gonna bet them minus 120 in game one if we lose socks that we lost but i think we're gonna get a really good price on the series for boston we'll be able to kind of come over the top and bet a bigger number uh with them to kind of come back and win because again remember they are on the road to start this series so even if they lose that first game they still have three home games in their back pocket and of course you know what it's like in Boston of course you know what this this year might be a lot different here with a lack of fans that we normally expect so those three plays are plays that I've made already I'm waiting for this Minnesota game line um, I bet sort of a half unit already on a plus 155 that I found I'm waiting to see everybody else kind of populate maybe there's a better number to fill in the rest of that unit so Sunday will be underdogs all three all three games uh, and Monday, uh, excuse me, Saturday night, of course, will be Boston minus 120. So that's it. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I had a really great time talking to those guys. And uh, hopefully didn't bore you to death here with some of the math stuff when it comes to the Con Smythe. I think that's just really interesting market and how those numbers get made and where value is and all of that good stuff. Uh, really excited for the playoffs to start. We'll talk a lot more about the North um coming here next week uh obviously we'll recap the four games that have happened maybe there'll be some adjustment bets that we can make uh on monday so uh have re- everybody enjoy the weekend i think uh, i think it's gonna be really exciting stuff here uh, as we start our long journey on the stanley cup playoffs as always, subscribe, rate, review, and share. The podcast helps a ton at Authentic on Twitter and the Action Network app, the underscore window underscore podcast on Spurts. Until Monday, everybody have a great weekend. I'll see you at the window.